Foster here, and welcome to the Brand Forward Leadership Podcast. I am the creator of the Big Brand Formula and president of Jerry Foster Branding, where we specialize in working with service-based entrepreneurs who want to create a big brand and a strong message that sells so you can excite, delight, and ignite your market and make it easier to get clients. So please stick around to the end of the show and we will share how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes or so. In the meantime, let's go. So welcome everybody to the Brand Forward Leadership Podcast. I'm Jerry Foster, the big branding guy, also known as the Branding Evangelist. And oh my goodness, I'm so excited about my guest today. I just learned that she lives in D.C., our nation's capital, which is very cool. East Coast person, New York, and all of that. So I'm really thrilled to have her here. So let's welcome Nikki Porcaro. How you doing, Nikki? I'm doing well, Jerry. Thanks so much for having me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It really is. So if you don't mind, Nikki, please tell our audience about yourself and the work that your company does. Sure. So I am the president and founder of No Anxiety Prep, which is a tutoring, educational consulting and prep company. So my name is Nicole Andrea Porcaro. So I'm the NAP in NAP. So totally <laughs> founded by me. We love wordplay here in the education business. And our, our work really focuses on independent personalized consulting for secondary school admissions, college admissions, graduate school admissions. So we provide, we want to be sort of a one-stop shop. We, we've sort of talk to parents who have to go to this company for academics and this company for test prep and this company for college. So we are a one-stop shop for our clients. We have been in business. We just celebrated our 11th year. We've wow. got a staff of 12. And, you know, I believe that female small uh, female owned small businesses are the future. So we work in 16 states and seven countries. And we are really just thrilled to service not only, you know, our clients in the DC area, but, you know, all over the world. Well, listen, I think that's outstanding because as they, see, as they say, our, our youth are our future. And so anything that you can do to impact them is outstanding. But I'm curious, though, around the tutoring that you do, because I've always heard about the areas that a lot of our young people struggle in, particularly in high school, when it comes to reading, when it comes to math, when it comes to the sciences. What have you found in your work? Are there certain subject matters or where, where exactly do, does a tutoring need to be done? You know, I, I try not to be too negative about the educational system. And part of it isn't super fair since we're obviously coming out of, you know, two plus years of a pandemic. But, you know, I've worked and continue to work in, a, you know, public school systems around here. And really what we're seeing is just grade inflation across the board. Grades no longer measure true mastery. It can be attendance, projects, class participation, all of which are important in education, but aren't really, you know, measuring a true mastery. I know the school system I work in, you know, if you get an A one quarter and a B the next quarter, it's an automatic final grade of an A. 
Same with a BC, it's a B. So to answer your question, it is an across the board issue, but the biggest place that I'm seeing it is writing. I also teach at the college level at Montgomery College, and I'm getting students whom I wouldn't have passed through high school, you know, let alone, you know, getting to college. So we're finding students are struggling to connect their ideas and express not only themselves in a creative way, but in an academically viable way. And I think we all know the current climate vetting of sources is important and understanding how to critically think for oneself is important. So I'm most concerned about the writing and reading comprehension aspect of things, but I am hoping that as we start to see, you know, coming out of the pandemic and, and seeing where we aren't doing well, that we continue to make improvements in those areas. Well, bravo to you for what you do. And you raise a good point because back in my day, if you couldn't read and write at the grade level you were in, you did not go to the next level. They held you back. And today it seems like you've got all these kids out there, particularly when you start getting into the inner city areas and places like that, where they may be in the 12th or 11th grade, but their reading levels at the fourth grade. And they have no, they have no business being there. In Absolutely. Their grade. Oh my God. And I don't know if that goes on in other school districts besides the inner city areas. What are your thoughts on that? Is it widespread or is it seem, does it seem to be isolated to certain types of public schools. It's absolutely widespread. I'm in uh, Montgomery County Public Schools, which is right outside D.C. in Maryland. And um, I've taught there as a long term sub before. And I was told explicitly that I could not fail anyone. And I said, well, this person didn't come to class for a whole semester. And they said, give him a D. And I said, mm, I'm not going to do that. So it's 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 and, and I should say Montgomery County is extremely diverse. I believe it is one of the most diverse counties in the nation, but it is also one of the wealthiest. So it's very it's a huge dichotomy, though. I'd say half the county schools are your blue ribbon, amazing, high performing schools and the other half are not. And I've worked in all of them and it is just pass them through, pass them through. And part of that is numbers. Right. Montgomery County loves to brag about their numbers. And we have this many people of color who are getting diplomas and taking AP classes and, you know, this many, you know, students students as a whole. And it's, it's, I, like I said, I've taught every subject. I've been a long-term sub, a short-term sub. I teach at MC, which is where a lot of Montgomery college or Montgomery County students go. And it is, it's a diploma mill at this point. And I know I'm going to anger a lot of people by saying that, but it's kind of the worst kept secret. So, you know, I believe Montgomery County is the 14th largest school system in America. So I can only extrapolate that data to um, other school systems as well. Well, I tell you, I have a real soft spot for what you do. My mom was an educator, high school English teacher, and I'm from Detroit, Michigan, originally. And when I grew up, Detroit was a proud city, right? I mean, the auto industry was booming, Motown music was blasting the whole nine yards, and the public school system was very good. And of course, we all know the stories and the, the horror stories about what's happened in Detroit over the years, especially with their public school system. However... The point I'm making is that I can remember when, and she was, like I said, an English teacher, ended up uh, as a department head when she passed away. The And she would talk about how these kids, a lot of them just don't seem to have the thirst for learning and growing. And to your point, if you've got teachers who are being pressured to say, don't fail that kid, so we can look good on our numbers. What's happened here, Nikki? What's going on? You know, it's 
part of it is politics and I don't necessarily mean national politics, just sort of in school, you know, politics, things of that nature. Do I think part of it is a genuine desire to want kids to succeed and get to the next level in this sort of vain hope that, you know, if we just kind of get them through, they'll mature and, and do well. Sure. I'm not totally cynical, but I do think there is pressure from the top down to ensure that these kids are passing. And I have a lot of friends who are full-time teachers, you know, in school districts, and some of them have just given up. And I know that sounds terrible and they shouldn't be teachers and they're terrible. But from what I see is required of them, I don't blame them. They are faced with hybrid teaching, administrative, you know, demands, parents who blame them for absolutely everything. And some of them are like, look, I get through the day and I do what I can do, but I am no longer going to stay after school till 6 p.m. and help kids who don't want to be helped. Ah. So, you know, we're in that we get, you know, I'd say 95% of our no anxiety prep students want to be there, want to do well. So I don't want to paint again, every school system or every student with a negative brush, but, you know, we have seen, you know, as, as most people have heard that, you know, Test scores have gone down about 10% since the pandemic. SAT and ACT scores have gone down 10 points for the SAT and a point for the ACT, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. And, you know, we are seeing empirical data. We are seeing qualitative data. We are seeing problems with our system. And I think because of some of the issues, the other issues our country is facing, that's almost taken a back seat. And on one hand, I get it. But on the other hand, you know, again, to quote Whitney Houston, I believe the children are our future. So what are we doing about that future? Oh, my goodness. Do you ever see the documentary? I think it was called Waiting on Superman. You ever seen that film? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it really paints a pretty accurate picture of the school system in America and how we have fallen by the wayside. And that movie came out. That film came out maybe 10, 15 years ago or so, but it speaks to how fragmented the school system is when you start going by state and then within the state, you got counties and within the counties, you got districts and within the district, you got the schools. I mean, it is insane. But but, but to put politics and all that stuff aside, I want to ask you this question because this is fascinating and I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. Where and I hate I don't want to use the word blame because I'm with you on it. We're not here to blame anyone because we want to talk about NAP and, and how you're an amazing solution. But I cannot help but wonder how much of this is because of the parents. I mean, doesn't it start in the home? I mean, the way I was raised, I did my homework. I had to study. I had to do something with my life. I had to, my my parents made sure that I could read and write and do math and all that kind of stuff. What are your what are your thoughts regarding the school system versus the home life and what's going on there? <laughs> I'm going to be careful here. I'm going to okay, be very okay. careful here. <laughs> and I don't want to get you in trouble, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I think I think there are problems across home lives and I'll say across socioeconomic statuses. I have worked in schools with low SES, which brings its own set of problems. And I've worked with students in high SES, which certainly brings its own different set of problems. But what I am seeing, you know, very prevalently, not in all, but there is a sense of entitlements and there is a sense of it's not not my kid, not my kid's fault. So mm-hmm. I have had a parent, high SES, whose kid was caught cheating on a midterm. I mean, legitimately, no doubt about it, was caught, admitted it. And the parent was incensed that the, the student was going to be failed. I mean, that's a pretty 
basic punishment for cheating on a test, if not expelled. And the parent was just incensed and, and thought that she should have a talking to, but get to retake a new exam. So the teacher should obviously just have to spend their time making a new exam. Um, you know, just sort of, I had another parent whose kid brought, you know, pop brownies to a dance and another kid got really sick. And not only did they think it was just a learning experience, but they should write about it for their college essay. I, 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 yeah. So just wow. buy my book when it comes out. Um, wow. So we're seeing that, you know, in the high SES, but then in the low SES, you know, families were, again, we're seeing a lot of that, you know, apathy. We're seeing not a lot of that support of, you know, put the phone down, do your homework. I mean, I've had parents say, well, they won't stop playing video games. And I'm like, so unplug the console. Hello? And they look at me like I've solved, like, you know, the theory of relativity. It's like, oh, I can do that. I'm like, mm-hmm. And it's just mind boggling that there's so many parents who either want to be their kid's friend or, or checked out for other reasons that they kind of expect either everyone else to do it. But then these are the same families who are like, why isn't my kid getting into this school? Why isn't my kid being given this special consideration? And I'm like, did you, did your kid work for it? Did you encourage them to work for it? So, you know, I want to be clear, not all parents, but I have seen in my 16 years in the business, just this absolute level of entitlement that is galling. Wow. Wow. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears here and talk about NAP to the rescue, okay? So what are you doing? And 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 again, I acknowledge you for what you do because we all we, we're all here on this planet for a reason. We're all significant if we can get in touch with our own magnificence. And so tell us about what you're doing to help overcome these challenges, these problems. Tell us more about, you said, I think you just said you had a book. I want to learn about the book as well, but just an overview of what you were doing to make a difference in this situation. Sure. So, you know, our goal as hokey as it sounds is to instill a love of lifelong learning into our students and to show them that what the strategies we teach and what we're doing are not just to get through this test or to get into college. Those are very important things, but we want to make sure that our students have the strategies so they aren't scared of learning or to challenge themselves. So we do that through our philosophy of PREP, P-R-E-P. And what that stands for is preparation, relatability, expertise, and positivity. So we believe that if we can both, you know, our tutors are prepared and we can give our students preparation to succeed that decreases anxiety, no anxiety. We want to be relatable to our students. We have been told numerous times that, you know, students want dynamic and engaging. They don't want to be lectured at. They want to actually be active learners, which is huge. So our favorite compliment when we get, you know, when we tutor a student for the first time is, wait, it's over already? It's our favorite thing. Yes, it's over already. It was not that bad. Uh, expertise. So all of our tutors are certified 95th percentile or above in what they teach. All of us have or are in the process of um, attaining multiple advanced degrees and positivity. So learning is not a linear process and it's not always an easy process. You're not always going to incrementally step up your grade sometimes but not always. So we want to make sure that the learning process is in fact presented as a journey that we as a team are on together and show our students that, you know, this actually not, you're not going to love everything you learn. Not everything's going to be fun. It's, it's life, right? right? But how can we make those connections to learning that takes you to that next level? I love it. I love it. So you must do a lot of mindset work with these kids to get them to believe in themselves and to have confidence in their ability to study and learn and take a test and get good grades and all of that, I assume, correct? 
Yeah. So I often, you know, half joke that I, I wear a lot of hats. I'm a tutor. I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I'm a cheerleader. I'm a mentor. <laughs> I'm a therapist. Um, you know, it depends on the kid, which is why our program is so nice. Everything's personalized. So I used to work for a big box company. I thought they did a lot of things really well. I think one thing they didn't do super well was that personalization. And I think that's why I broke off and started my own business was how can we make these students feel like they're not just another number in the class? How can we make them feel that I understand, you know, Sophie's dream is to work with dolphins, but Alex's dream is to be in a research lab and Joe wants to be a graphic designer. Great. And sometimes people, I want to go to Harvard. Well, I want to go to Maryland. Well, I want to go to Penn State. One of those is not better than the other. We need to make sure that your goals are aligned. And, you know, I always use Harvard as an example. You know, I have a lot of kids who say, I want to go to Harvard. I want to go to Harvard from the DC area. And I say, well, what do you want to do? Government why the hell are you going to Harvard? Look at where you live. So and this is coming from someone who did go to Harvard. I think Harvard is great, but I also went to a state school for my undergrad. So I think you've got to figure out what your goals are, you know, and, and figure out how we can get you there. But we want to make each student feel like their goals are valid and just as important as, as somebody else's. Because, you know, as much as we try not to do it, they're teenagers, they're always comparing themselves to everybody else. So well, as you, you know, know how can we sort of tried. To yeah, exactly. Because like I said, it's mindset work and trying to get them to um, uh, dump whatever, whatever is around that brain of theirs. That's got them thinking cuckoo sometimes. Right. So <laughs> I love the fact that you wear all those different hats. That's awesome. <laughs> that is too awesome. Now, as you know, this is a big branding podcast. And at the heart of leadership in any field, especially someone like yourself who offers expertise, and this, this podcast is really about how to brand expertise. My question is, how do you distinguish yourself? How do you differentiate the work you're doing? Because I don't need to tell you this, there's a whole lot of folks out there who say they've got their approach and that they can help these kids and they can help them achieve and whatnot. Tell us about how you distinguish yourself. What do you think? Sure, I agree. It is an oversaturation. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. How do you uh, differentiate yourself? How do you distinguish yourself from the rest of the of the crowd out there? Yeah, I believe it is an oversaturated market, and it is one of those things, unfortunately, where you know anyone can say they're a teacher or a tutor. And yeah. I do, while I am a bargain shopper myself, I do believe in this business. You do get what you pay for. And in terms of how we distinguish ourselves, we do have that ethos of prep where we have our strategies that are proven, and we don't want to just take those strategies though and teach to the test. So we always show our students that this is not a teach to the test. These are academic strategies you are going to take with you when you go to college, when you go to that and beyond. We also want to show our students that we are lifelong learners. So um, I know for instance, I, I have many degrees. I have um, University of Maryland broadcast journalism, very, very good school. I have a master's of science from Purdue. I have a master's in English from Harvard and I'll be starting a doctoral program this fall. So I like to relate to my students by saying, Saying, you know, I've I've gone through and I'm going through this application process. I get it. I will tell them about my successes, tell them about my setbacks. I think it's so important to be relatable. I've had students, you know, sometimes you can be, as you know, Jerry, you're a successful, you know, at what you do, people can be intimidated. Well, I can never be Nikki. I can never do what she's done. And I'll say, wait a minute, I'm a first generation college student who didn't come from the greatest home and I worked my way to get here. So while not everybody is a first generation college student, I, I encourage people, what is your 
your first generation college student trait? What have you come from that you can impart to your clients that you've worked your way from and says, yeah, nobody said that I could do this, but I can't. So by showing our students, well, nobody said you can go work with dolphins as a marine biologist. That's super competitive. Well, screw that. And I bring that example up because I just had a student I worked with three years ago and she um, just posted on LinkedIn that she got um, her dream job at the exact research center for dolphins that she wrote about in her college essay, which was like the coolest thing to see. And I just, I just think that the relatability component is what sets NAP apart because our students know that we are team them throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the years. We work with students, sometimes the same student from middle school through graduate school. And I think that is, is key, that team yeah. mindset. Now that child though, who may look at you and say, well, you're an achiever. You're, you're, you're a different personality than, than I am. How do you reach that child? At, at whatever whatever grade level they are, who maybe doesn't have that kind of drive, that kind of ambition like yourself, because you're successful, you're an achiever, you probably got high grades wherever you go, you're quote unquote, what people might say are smart, okay? What about the child though, who has self-esteem issues, who doesn't have that kind of confidence that they can really be someone in life? What do you do with that? Because my observation in looking at the public school system, the exposure that I've had, so many of these kids, they just don't know who they are. They don't have a purpose for their life yet. They're, they're, and, and like to your point, they're, they're stuck on their phones. They don't have good study habits, let alone reading, let alone reading and writing. What about those kids? What are your thoughts on that? I wish it were as simple as have a pep talk with Nikki and everything's fixed, but it's <laughs> yeah. not quite how it works. So, you know, depending on the severity of the situation, we'll certainly, you know, try to work with their therapist. If they have one, we work with a vetted team of those. We can recommend one. You know, sometimes there are things that we aren't as qualified to handle. However, I think sometimes it starts from parsing out just what their interests are. And, and even if they are like, well, it's Instagram. Okay, fine. So do you want to be a social media, not influencer, if I hear the word influencer one more time, I'm going to scream, but do you want to do social media branding for a company? Do you want to create content? You know, do you want to be a content producer for, you know, a company or, or a startup or something like that? So I think that's kind of step one is piecing out what they're interested in, even if they think they're not allowed to be interested in it. Nice. And then kind of, you know, we encourage gap years. Gap years are much more popular in Europe than they are here, but certain students just need that extra year of academic maturity. We often say immaturity, like it's this crime. And I don't think, you know, it should be looked at more as you're 17, you're 18, and maybe you're not maturing as fast as student X over here, but what are we going to do to maybe fix that? Right. So a gap year can involve traveling, you know, not everyone's that fortunate with money, but maybe it's taking a community college course. Maybe it's working. Maybe it's taking that time. If you have the the luxury to explore your passion for the arts or to attend lecture, something like that. But I think in America, we're on sort of this like graduate high school, go to college, go to grad school. That's that's the path. And that's the only acceptable path. So for students who are still finding that motivation, I would say we try to kind of attack that from all sides. And that's a subject for another podcast right there. Because absolutely. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, we were taught, hey, go to school, don't act a fool, do your homework, get good grades, go on to high school, graduate, go to college, get a, get a degree, get a good job, take the bull by the horns and live the American dream. These kids today, they don't have that mindset because they're seeing a lot. I know you know this. They're seeing a lot of successful people out there 
who didn't go to college, mm-hmm. who maybe didn't have good grades. However, they, they did something with themselves, entrepreneurially or whatever, to go ahead and, and have a successful life. But that's a subject for another day <laughs> because, because that's, a, that's a whole different mindset issue to deal with, I would think. So, but it's I, interesting I, you bring that up because yeah. the, I don't know if you watch Saturday Night Live, but I believe Travis Kelsey hosted right after the Super Bowl and he oh. won. And his monologue was all about how he, you know, failed English and failed algebra and did so poorly in school and he's uh, and didn't go to college. And he's like, "Look, I failed out of school and won the Super Bowl." And I was like, "Oh God, no! I know it's a joke." And I was like, "Oh God, no! Mm-hmm. Kids are going to hear this and." Yeah. So while you can certainly be successful without a college degree, this is, I'm not an elitist. I don't think college is for everyone. And we, you know, we need tradespeople. My fiance did not graduate college, but it is, you are the exception. Travis Kelsey is the exception, not the rule. So please don't fail algebra and English and think you're going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Or go to a trade school. Yeah. Learn a craft. I mean, there was a whole special on CBS morning, CBS morning show, about that very issue, how corporate America uh, are looking at these kids who maybe don't have the opportunity to go to a four-year school or they don't want to, or they want to avoid the high college debt with the loans and all of that. And these corporate leaders are saying, go to a trade school. And what they found in this special was that these kids come out of these trade schools and they don't have to pay them as much when they hire them. They're better workers and they're more productive. And so now corporations are saying, whoa, we don't need to keep looking at these four-year universities. So let's keep an eye on that trend. But it gives hope mm-hmm. to so many of these kids today. So, But I, but, but I got to ask you one last question before we wrap up here. And that is, there's got to be one, and I know you've got a bunch because I can tell you're, you're awesome. There's got to be at least one success story of some kid that you tutored that you are particularly proud of. Can you share one story with us? There's so many. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll bring up one that recently happened. Uh, this was a student I started working with in, I believe it was 2014 uh, while she was in high school. Mm-hmm. And again, as you mentioned, low self-confidence. She came from a culture where there was a lot of pressure on her to succeed educationally. And she just would, would break down in tears. But long story short, we worked with her on her test scores and her essay, and we got her into Georgetown. Very good. And the actually the dean of Georgetown wrote her uh, a note that said, your essay is really what pushed us over the top for you. So that was great. And through the years we've been talking, well, she is now 28. She is the vice president of a bank. And she said, Nikki, I want to go to graduate school. I want to go to get an MBA, but I only want to go to an Ivy. Otherwise it's not worth it for me. Ah. And I said, okay. So we worked on her, her test scores. And while we got those test scores up, uh, they were only about in the 85th percentile, which, you know, is good, but not Ivy, but we worked really hard on her essays and uh, she was just admitted to Dartmouth. But that is not the end of the story. She was admitted to Dartmouth with a $100,000 scholarship. Woohoo! (laughs) She just wrote me this glowing, you know, she was crying. She said, you're not just my tutor. You're my mentor. You're my friend. You've been with me for 12 years now or 10 years now. I forget what it is. But um, so that's just one of our stories of the longevity of, you know, our our students trust us. And we've seen her grow from, you know, this sort of unself-confident teenager to basically running a bank. And soon she'll be an MBA from Dartmouth. So we're really proud of her. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I'm just one of those USC kids, you know. We had we had the, <laughs> the cheating scandal a few years ago. Oh, I gotta get my, <laughs> my kid in the USC. And 
you know, it's, well, we're not Ivy League, but we're private, right? And we're, we have You're Ivy League. Very good school. Oh, my God. Oh, there's so many great universities in this country. Yeah. Now, if people are tuning in and they're loving what they're hearing and they're loving you, put out how people can reach you, okay? What are your what are your socials? What's your URL? How can people get in touch with you? Sure. So I'd love to answer any questions. If you're looking to pursue any sort of advanced education for your child or for yourself, uh, it's pretty easy. Our website is noanxietyprep.com. Mm. Our Instagram is at noanxietyprep. And our Facebook is facebook.com slash noanxietyprep. You can also find me on LinkedIn as well as our company. And you can certainly shoot me an email from our website. And uh, like I said, be happy to chat. And you can help these kids anywhere in the country, correct? Anywhere in the world. We have done United world. Arab Emirates, nice. Italy, Australia, Spain. So we are we are everywhere. You are global. Ah, wonderful. Well, listen, before we sign off, is there anything else you want to say? One last point you want to make to the parents out just, there? Uh, the kids out there? Go ahead. Or the educator. I would just, <laughs> an educator. Yeah, I would just say... I'm not going to give you the old follow your dream speech, but I will say that sometimes you will face setbacks and you will think it is the end of the road. And that road sometimes just diverts into another path. And that's another podcast again that we can talk about. But I would say sometimes dreams change and that's okay. Mm, God, wow, I love it. Ooh. Well, listen, thank you again for being here. You are awesome. And to our viewers and listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. And so until next time, this is Jerry Foster, the Big Brandy Guy, also known as the Brandon Evangelist, signing off. Take care. Jerry Foster here. Thank you so much for listening to my Brand Forward Leadership Podcast. Now, if you, if you are a successful service-based entrepreneur yourself and you've got amazing expertise, I mean services, skills, talents, and abilities that you offer through your company or yourself, and you've been in business for five, 10 years or more, and you would like to be a guest on this program, I would love to have you. Simply visit jerryfosterbranding.com forward slash brandforwardleadership forward slash apply, and I will certainly check you out and get to know you and so on and so forth. Now. Let me just add a couple of other things. Number one, if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media for me? And if so, just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your socials, okay? And number two, if you know someone that you feel would be a great guest, someone that I should meet and connect with and so on and so forth, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag brandfordleadership because I love seeing your posts. I love guest suggestions. That's how we all grow. That's how we all connect and make it through this world, which are through our relationships and our connections. And lastly, let me throw this in. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. I'm always on the lookout for not only great guests, but great content. And so therefore, because we're always putting great new stuff out, juicy stuff, make sure you don't miss any episodes in the future. So please go ahead and subscribe. And I also love what? I love support. I love love. <laughs> so your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way 
they help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. So if you can find it in your heart to go ahead and show me that kind of support and love, I would really appreciate it. And on a second note, if you would like to know more about me, the work that I do, simply go to my website at jerryfosterbranding.com or follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook at Jerry Foster Branding or Instagram at Jerry Foster Big Brand Man. Okay? Jerry Foster Big Brand Man. Again, thanks for listening. Until we see you the next time, take care.